0: Joining the show today is former quarterback Max Staver. Max, thank you for coming on. Of course, you, you stay pretty busy these days with the quarterback vision there in the mid-state of Tennessee. But thank you for coming on. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, man. Uh, like you said, just busy. Um, we've actually kind of shifted our our approach uh, in, in our training models uh, between a, a balanced approach of private and group training so it's been a lot of transition we also now have a facility here in the hendersonville area uh, outside of nashville and it's a beautiful space um and just just kind of getting things uh, set up that way uh, kind of for the start of the off season um i have a flight to colorado in a couple weeks to meet with the qb sim guys that's virtual um that's virtual reality training for quarterbacks to to maximize reps in their off season and to minimize and mitigate taking hits and damage. So we're, we're getting actual game reps without the risk of injury. Um, so those are a couple of things that potentially could be added to this place, um, but that's that's kind of been the gist over the past few months.
0: So you played at Brentwood Academy and then of course signed with the Florida Gators back in 2013. You spent the 13th season with the Gators, then went to Houston Baptist, went the Juco route to Tyler Junior College in Texas, and then finished it off at the University of Maine. And you've been around some pretty good offensive minds. You look at Brent Pease at Florida. You look at Liam Cohen at Maine, who's actually the offense coordinator now at Kentucky. Have you taken anything from your playing experience and being around some of those offensive-minded coaches into trying to develop these quarterbacks of what you're doing now?
1: You know, absolutely. You know, it was kind of funny, uh, you know, when I, when I, after I left Florida, um, you know, and, and then obviously the end of my career at the University of Maine, the terminology was extremely similar between the two offenses. Uh, everything from from vernacular to um, the you know formations, shifts, motions, play calls, protections, pretty similar. Um, and you know, that was a um, it, w- it was a pretty cool adjustment to see that. And I, you know, I played at, at Brentwood Academy, for example. Uh, let's, let's let's actually rewind before that. Pope John Paul before that, I'm a Hendersonville kid. Uh, from the north side of Nashville and you know, my first coach was Jeff Brothers, who's a who was a, a BA graduate Vanderbilt uh, Vanderbilt player. He played safety there at Vanderbilt. Then so that was my freshman year of high school. Sophomore year was Jeff Rutledge uh, of the University of Alabama. then um, obviously was, was the office of coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals with Kurt Warner um, before his time at Pope John Paul in, in Nashville. So uh, but you know, those are my two coaches and there was a little bit of difference in the offenses. Um, I know with, with Rutledge, it was a, I mean, 13, 14 more play calls for, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old kids. You know, it was a, it was a pretty big adjustment. Um, uh, but then again, um, I, it was, it was pretty explosive. Um, you know, if, if we, if we could have mastered, you know, what, what he was trying to teach, uh, then, you know, you go to Brentwood Academy under Ralph Potter. So this is now my third year of high school and my third, my third head coach, um, You got Ralph Potter at BA, who was a triple-option guy during his days at Macaulay in Chattanooga. And so at 6'5", 240, I was running a triple-option with a a little variation of spread. Um, And then my senior year, we have another coach, uh, Cody White, who's still at BA, and he was a uh, much more of a zone-read quarterback, uh, run-involved offense with a little bit of spread as well. So, um, you know, having four head coaches in high school, And having four different offenses to learn, it kind of set the tone. What would be the rest of my career? Um, And I think as a coach, it's a positive um, now, but as a player, it's a little bit of a little bit of a negative. Just like you see in the NFL with with you know nowadays the instant gratification of these uh, an instant I want to say this demand of, of perfection of some of these rookie quarterbacks instead of the ability to redshirt them and sit behind. And make sure, you know, after you haven't invested so much money and time in them, to make sure they're, they're absolutely prepared and ready to play sitting behind a veteran if they're in that situation. So, um, as a player, it hurt me a little bit to, to not get comfortable um, in the offense that I was in. So, then you go to college. You know, we had a kind of a tough year at Florida my freshman year. Um, you know, I know that the plan there was, you know, so Driscoll was the starter, um, and then. You know, Tyler Murphy was the backup. Both uh, would, would go on to play in the NFL, and you know Jeff is still in there. Um, you know, then I was kind of floating between the third and fourth um, spot on the depth chart between Skyler Morningweg and you know myself. Uh, and you know, I knew the plan was that you know what at least what P's expressed to me was that um, I had gotten better towards the um, towards the you know later part of that 2013 season and would be competing for. Uh, at least the number two job or if not the starting job with, um, you know, with Driscoll in that next year. Um, unfortunately, we lost a couple – lost a couple bad games in the end. Coach P's got let go. Um, and then there's kind of a kind of a cleaning of house. Um, and it's, it's kind of a – it's kind of an, a, a misconception out there. You know, the reason I left Florida was because of the offense that was coming in. And it made total sense. I mean, Jeff was the guy. And, and Jeff was recruited by Urban Meyer to be kind of the next Tebow. In fact, Jeff set the the fastest forty time at the combine. Years later, at like a either a four six or a four five for his size, which was you know which was unreal at the time. Um, and so that's the reason I left. You know, Coach Musham called me, said, "Max, I, you know, you've got you have you've progressed throughout the season. You've gotten better. Um, and you know, we need you to stay. We want you to stay. And I and you know, I should have listened to that advice. Looking back, um, but." You know, um, I made the decision to leave. So I know it was put out there that, you know, Muschamp asked me to leave and that, that never that never was the case um, with that whole situation. Moving into Houston Baptist, or actually I went, I went to junior college after that. It was a very quick and rushed decision. Uh, Florida, we, we got out of school kind of late December. And then the ju- junior colleges typically start early in January. So I had like 10 days to make a decision. And uh, ended up at East, uh, East Mississippi just because it was with the closest good juco go to, to nashville and i knew the offense there was not going to fit me but it was pretty much my only choice anyways i, I was there for a semester um did, did pretty decent uh i thought it, I, it was kind of a tough tough go for me going for from kind of the culture at florida to you know being in the middle of nowhere so i mean i was at last chance you that's buddy stevens um and it was You know how the tv show portrays what it's like in scuba mississippi what the school's like i mean that's the reality man i mean there's there's a reason every kid goes home on the weekends because i mean scuba is a ghost town so um anyway but then again they're a great football program at the juco level um fast forward i was at tyler texas and uh, i suffered a a a, um severe insertional achilles tendonitis so the podiatrist said to me you know, Max, where, where do you see your career ending? He said, because if you continue to play this year at the junior college level, you might tear your Achilles and that might be it. Um, so he advised me to, to, to not play the rest of the season. Um, and so I, I did. So again, that, that killed a lot of recruitment. Uh, that was one team I was in contact with was the university of Texas. Uh, they had taken Tyrone swoops and he had become more of a, more of a end zone goal line package guy. And, um, You know, Sean Watson and and Charlie Strong at the time, you know, the head coach and offensive coordinator, and and they were considering bringing me in. I think it was between me and a guy named Max Kessler or something, maybe from Hawaii, a former USC quarterback. They decided not to. They took a sixth DB in the freshman class that year versus a transfer quarterback. Um, And then, so then I was kind of left with a couple of options, Southeast Louisiana. That's a division one AA school there in in the Southland Conference. And then Houston Baptist, which, which you know was a newer school, a newer program, and had a buddy that played there. Current was was on the team at the time from from Brentwood Academy, and uh, decided to go that route. And, you know, we were a newer program, and you know we weren't very good at the time. And, and you look at them now, man. I mean, they're they're highly competitive in the Southland. Bailey Zap was the quarterback after I graduated, and you know he had a couple of decent. He had a, his first year was kind of decent at Houston Baptist. And, he really exploded with he's in western
0: offense. kentucky now and zach keatley the offense coordinator was at houston baptist he's at western kentucky as well in the same position tyson helton head coach there great hire to bring him in yeah i've, I've actually watched we kept up a little bit with houston baptist when keatley was there and he had some ties to kingsbury when kingsbury was working at texas tech and so they had some air raid principles there yeah, and, and you know I had a bunch of buddies
1: on the team still, and you know they said you know and I remember during spring ball they would call me and say Max like this this is legit like this this dude knows what he's doing and um, you know Bailey's app you know talented talented guy um, you know and I know that it's it's a pretty fun offense to play when you're getting sixty attempts or or more a game um, I mean that that's going to really flourish and develop guys so um, their program has been turned around I expect them to continue to climb in the FCS level. Um, so then, you know, the University of Maine. Uh, coach Cohen was was at Brown University, uh, and he recruited me when I was at Brentwood Academy. He came down, and talked to me. Now, I didn't I didn't quite remember it, but um, you know, I I tried to look for FC at the FCS level because I figured the amount of transfers injuries I'd already gone through, I wasn't going to be able to transfer up to the FBS level um, from Houston Baptist. And really the really reason I left was um, before before he, you know that, that coach had gotten there. We went from a pro style system to um, and and to, to more of like a smoke and mirror spread, kind of like a University of Houston with uh, Greg Ward Jr. That was exactly their offense, and we were doing quarterback draw on third and six. And you know, I just I knew I wasn't very very mobile, and you know, I, I knew that would that wouldn't quite fit what I why what I had done. And I you know I obviously met up with Coach Cohen, and um, or I I had messaged Coach Cohen, and um, you know, we got, we got in touch, and you know, ended up ended up there at University of Maine, and. You know he was i think everybody knew at the time too you know he really knew what he was doing uh his offense was was really diverse in in, in you know what we were trying to accomplish and and you know the, the the threat of the run the vertical pass game mixed with some spread concepts uh the usage of tempo um you know he definitely um definitely knew what he was doing i think everybody just kind of had the understanding that you know coach cohen would eventually move on from maine and and get, and get to probably the NFL. I knew that was his dream. And so then, you know, right after I graduated or I, I finished up school there, um, you know, he got a call from the, from a Holy cross was the office coordinator that I think midway through that spring semester, he got out with, um, you know, Los Angeles with the Rams and, and, you know, definitely, um, advanced his knowledge with, you know, with, with at that level with, with coach McVeigh And, um, you know, I knew, I knew he'd be a great hire at Kentucky. Um, and obviously we're starting to see what they're doing. So, you know, it just definitely like, like going back to what you said, um, you know, what I've taken from those guys, you know, that's a wealth of not, that's a PhD in football. It's, it's, it wasn't, like you said, the best as a player to experience all that just because i never got comfortable enough with, um, one offense at a time. I really think if I would have, um, I definitely think my career would have, would have gone a little bit more smoothly, but, um, you know, some things were out of my control. Some things were within my control. Um, but you know, t- taking all that knowledge, I mean, I have run everything from a triple option to a spread. I haven't run a wing tee, so I can't really teach that. But uh, you know, now, now my quarterbacks. I mean, we're we're getting used to um, and really preaching to these guys the idea of adapting. I mean, in, in this game, in this environment, with how fluid how fluid the you know, the sport is with coaching changes and with transfers at the high school level to college level, you have to be ready to adapt. Um, and then really there there's, there's one way to go about it. If you don't adapt, you're going to die. You're going to get forgotten in this game. And, um, so that's one thing we, we we preach the guys is your ability to go from, from staff to staff, offense to offense, locker room to locker room will, will then dictate, um, be a be a good dictator of, of your success long term in the game um if you're a guy that is is you know um only kind of one-dimensional if you will i'm not saying every quarterback's a dual threat but at least I think i think everybody understands how the modern day you know pro style pocket pass quarterback i mean you look at the nfl i mean justin herbert 66 they ran a 4640 i mean mac jones ran a six forty, and he's not he's not a slower looking quarterback, uh, and again he's not slow at all. But just the the appearance and the aesthetic of Mac Jones, you wouldn't think he's a speed demon. Uh, yet he ran a four, you know, four six at the NFL Combine. So um, the athleticism portion of the position obviously has changed, and uh, you know what, what what the expectations are. I mean, I remember back in the day, if you were six four, they're like, oh, it's okay if you're on a four nine. But nowadays, if you're six four, the expectation is. You need to be able to run with guys that are that are five foot eleven you know six or six one um so you know as as far as as far as what what we kind of teach to our guys um you know with with biomechanics with movement strategy i know that's that's a big part of the game now is being more glute dominant versus quad dominant to be more efficient in your movements um in your stability uh, and then you know, with, with the biomechanics, I mean, those have completely changed from the late '90s, early 2000s. I, mean, I, really, I told the guys, I wish I had access to the information they had access to. I mean, with with the Elite 11, when I went, I was named the strongest arm in the 2013 class and the fastest release time. And so, you know, I, I really wish. And, and I, again, I was a big, big, strong guy. Um, you know, I had I had a dad that pushed me in, in nutrition and, and weight training from you know from a pretty early age, and. Um, I really took to that stuff, but you know, I, I didn't know about you know what they t- what they call hip dissociation nowadays, and being a little more slingshot uh, looking or, or feeling that sudden stop of the hip to the of the front arm. And I was a guy that held the ball really high, kind of looked like a high near when I dropped back. And I really swung my back leg through, and uh, it's amazing. Again, the shift of of the biomechanics you're seeing nowadays, and really how many kids are you know are kind of like me that. Could have been something a lot more special had had this information been out there a little bit earlier. Um, so in 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 total with that, you know, biomechanics, movement strategy, we talk about drop families, the modern drop. Like in the NFL, for example, if you're a gun, um, unless it's kind of a, a slow developing third and long type of, type of shot play, like an intermediate play, typically you're not crossing over when you're in the gun. It's a little bit more of a slide step just because you're constantly ready to throw versus, you know, when you take that crossover step, you're not. Um, now, do you still cross over? Absolutely. Under center, it's a necessity. In gun on certain concepts, like I said, taking a shot. For, for timing purposes, typically you'll see a guy cross over. So even the footwork has changed um, a little bit from, from what it was back in the day. Um, and I'll say this, you know, with, with a lot of this, you know, the quarterback industry has taken off. And, you know, it's, it's probably hard for parents to sift through, you know, what's good, what's not good. Um, And a you got to find something that you know works best for you know for your quarterback, your your kid. Um, But my recommendation would be, you know, when when you're at a session, you truly ask yourself, does this actually apply to the game? And and, you know, I I know Aaron Rodgers kind of took took a shot at some of the drills where you know coaches would dunk a ball in water and and then make you throw. And he was like, even in the wettest games in his career, he he never the ball never felt that slick. You know, it, it, so a couple of things in the past we've done—they're a little bit um, outdated as far as just kind of the, what, what's been out there in, in the quarterback realm. So, a um, couple of things—a couple of examples, I mean. Every time you see the Dak dance or Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, doing some kind of hip activation stuff, um, that's more of what I consider kind of modern-day teaching. You're 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 reproducing. you you're, you're reproducing hip dissociation or creating sling tension in the spine to create more of a whip effect in the arm. And you're doing dozens of reps without a ball before a game. You're doing um, what we call the baseball nine. It's an activation series for the rotator cuff, the scap, and the shoulder. Um, that's, I mean, you're seeing guys do it every practice before every game um, as a way to activate. So those are two really simple and effective um, ways to activate to throw versus just throwing to warm up. And I like to give the analogy of a squat, a squat rack. I mean, I'm, when you get in the weight room, you're trigger pointing first with a lacrosse ball, with a tennis ball, then you're foam rolling, and then you're, you're doing some kind of you know um, active cardiovascular warm-up. And then maybe a little bit of a, um, an activation series like kettlebell swings or goblet squats before you actually get under a bar. And quarterbacks have to do the same thing. If we just get out there and just start throwing – um, we're not we're not actively warm. We're not getting those reminder reps before we actually do the real thing. So that's that's a couple examples. And then I think another one is um, having multi kind of like scaffolding or, or multi level drill work. So let's say we're we're working on interior pressures that day. So depending on the number of guys you have, you know, if it's a group session, you want to involve when you do that interior pressure and escape work also having some quarterbacks stand downfield and maybe you have two receivers and one defender in between. So now the quarterbacks are having to do interior pressure escape work and keep their eyes downfield. And then that defender chooses to go left or right. And you throw opposite of him. Uh, You can do that with in and out reads, high and low reads, full, full progression, half full progression reads. You can combine it with interior pressure, exterior pressure. Um, So it's multifaceted. You know, a lot of a lot of these high school coaches around here when they do their little individual period with quarterbacks, they're just doing, they're catching and throwing hitches. And and that's great. And, and, you know, but if you're only given 15 minutes of, of individual period during drill work, you need to make it count. And quarterbacks, you know, if you're given 25 pass attempts to the game, the standard is making 25 great decisions a game. So some of that scaffolding drill work I was talking about will replicate the movement and and the pressure of the pocket and then having to make
0: great decisions and fast decisions down the field. Well, that's good stuff. I guess on the way out, Max, uh, you mentioned you're a bigger body. I believe you were around 6'5", 245. Uh, Last I checked from your bio at Maine a couple years ago. And you look at a guy like Will Levis, 6'3", 232. Of course, he's a Penn State transfer into Coach Cohen's offense there at Kentucky into that program. So he's kind of a similar type size to you. Maybe you had a a little bit more weight there, maybe a little bit stronger, but you mentioned from what you're doing now compared to when you were coming up through high school and even during your plan days, there's more at these kids' disposal to to, to train better. What you're doing now with with the quarterback vision do you think like a will levis type quarterback is kind of similar to what you could have been if you had more of this at your disposal during your playing career
1: absolutely yeah so so you know looking at at will and you know i know there was uh, definitely you know a, a very close competition there in kentucky you know for that starting job but if you look at him um like I said, the, the activation of his hip, uh, the, his, his dissociation from from hip to spine is phenomenal. Um, he creates such fast and fluid sling tension in the core. His arm path is—it's not obsolete, but it's just so fast you, know, you you can't you can't see it. And so, you know, I definitely think if I would have had the resources coming up, um, I definitely could could have been that. I know that the one thing I struggled with was was stability, you know, and being as tall as I am and as heavy as I am, you know, stability counts even more so. Um, And uh, I I know that Will trains with a couple guys, you know, one in particular is, you know, Rob Williams. He's kind of made his rounds through the – he's kind of made his uh, way up the ranks in the quarterback training industry. But, uh, you know, he kind of preaches a lot of times what what a lot of us preach, and that's, again, hip association, you know, creating sling tension to the spine. Um, I think one thing you see Will Levis do is um, for the majority of his throws – um, when he's getting pressure, he does a great job of maintaining a back foot you know, in the ground, or what we call being connected. It provides a sudden stop for his hip and then a, a quick stabilization of the spine, again, leaving him that whip effect in the arm. Um, I know when you look at me at Houston Baptist from my film, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I, my foot would swing up. And being an even taller person with even longer levers, um, I think stability is more crucial than being a guy who – you know, is I'm not saying Will Will's you know short. He's a, he's a tall quarterback, but you know some of the shorter guys um, have such great stability. Uh, probably just because, probably better stability naturally because they're not quite as tall. They don't have quite as long levers. Um, and again, I could be wrong in saying that, but um, definitely, I, I think I could have been a much more efficient thrower, uh, probably a lot, a much more accurate too, if I, I would have known about some of this information. Um, that's out there now, and, and you're seeing this. I mean, I mean Peyton Manning. I think I read the other day when during his MVP season, or maybe this was 2008 or 2007 six. Like the standard for completion percentage was up around I don't know 58, 60 percent. Like that'd be that'd be considered really, really good. And I mean, you look at Drew Brees just a couple of years ago. I think his adjusted completion percentage, when you factor in drops and tip passes, was like 86 percent. I mean, th- that is that is unreal. And so nowadays, if you're not hitting the 65, 70% completion at the NFL level, you know, there's potential. Your job could be in jeopardy. And so just, I think it's through this knowledge, this shifting of the, of the quarterback position and how we approach, how we train it, it's elevating the position to, to to places we've never seen it go before. Um, You know, and and, you know Tom Brady is a prime example. He entered the league with a three, eight release time. And now he's close to a three, three. And, um, you know, he's he's older, but through his training methods of, of his, obviously his dieting, but then his, his training methods, um, his quarterback's uh, specific skill set, you know, training, you know, he's cut his release time by five hundredths of a second, but yet he is, you know, a lot more efficient th- than he ever was. Um, so you're seeing even a guy like that that, that, that went, was kind of from the old school um, training model, if you will. Now it's a more of a new school, and it's, it's becoming more efficient for him. So what What I imagine, I think it's going to become a lot more competitive for Division One scholarships at the high school level. A lot more kids throw it well. Um, I remember Elite 11 when I went there for the two regionals, um, and I came in, you know, quote-unquote second overall, but it's kind of funny, the kids that won it were already committed to schools, and, you know, they were in the area. Like, the guy who won it for the Georgia Bowl was from Marietta. The guy that won it in Ohio was from Michigan. So, um, I mean, not saying that that you know, politics had any influence in it, but um, you know, I didn't have any offers. So, but but anyways, anyways, you know, at those events, you could you could see that the top five separate themselves from the from the forty or fifty that were invited. You know, you, it, it, there was clear separation. But I mean, I, from what I'm hearing from some of my quarterbacks now, I mean, you go to these elite elevens, and of the 40, 50 kids invited, man, like there's twenty five that there's barely any separation. And it's because, again, a lot of the kids are being taught the same things because of just kind of the, well, A, the use of social media, but then how, how the word of all this this new training, you know, these training methods, how the word is spread about it. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the drill implementation, you know, through private coaches, even through high school coaches. Uh, There's some schools around Middle Tennessee now doing baseball nine warm-up that years ago made fun of people that, that, <laughs> that did that. And um, so it's cool to see the shift. I think we're going to get a lot – better quarterback production from a younger age Uh, i think in tennessee in particular we're kind of behind the eight ball as far as um at the middle school level and at the high school level getting out of such archaic and outdated offenses now i'm not i'm not a wing t hater uh but you know missing a couple throws every once in a while um i know you can still win football games being a being a wing t team um but i think we're going to start to see a little bit more of a shift to to spread and more, a little more multiple-looking offenses from an earlier age and then definitely at the high school level. Um, and, you know, one point to that, I think we had two kids go to the Elite 11 Finals this past year from Tennessee. So, you know, that was Tevin Carter in Memphis, and that was, um, that was Ty Simpson from uh, from Jackson, you know, and Ty's an Alabama commit. And so um, it's unheard of to have that many Division One recruited and offered quarterbacks in the state of Tennessee. Um, you know, we're we're definitely getting getting to be a lot better of a state at, 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 at the high school level, um, and with with the influx of population, and then, um, you know, I think the resources are finally coming to the state and with with us doing quarterback training. There's a lot more speed and development, uh, speed and agility development coaches, strength coaches available. Kids are getting a little more serious about it. Uh, so, you know, not saying we're going to be the next Georgia in the next five years, but um you know we're, we're catching up I mean I, th- I think we're going to be a top six top seven state in high school football and you know pumping out division one division two II, division three talent over the next couple of years
0: well that's good stuff Max thank you for coming on and, and just talking about what you're doing and, and your football career also absolutely man thank you for having me Dan